Bless Thank you, Del, so much. That's great. Hey, yeah, I am so glad to be with you. My, my wife would love to be here. She had planned a long time ago that she and her sister would do an art week, so you have no idea how glad I am to be here. <laughs> like, this is, <laughs> this is perfect. <laughs> Going to make it happen. Hey, hey just before I do this, um, I, was, I was praying for you guys last night and uh, got this picture. I'd like to just... Is that okay, guys, that I'm just going to kind of lay this out for you? And uh, the picture was of, of, of an explosion that God was doing. And you guys have kind of, last time I was here, there was a lot less of you, right? And all of a sudden I look and you're filled with a whole bunch of different ages and, and people who are excited about the Lord. And I felt like God said there was an explosion. And as I saw it, it was like, uh, fireworks coming off and just blasting off into the air, and there was all of these colors that that came down, and every one of you was kind of in that place, and you were grabbing something, and as you grabbed it, you realized that that was something that God wanted to give you. It was a piece of Him, and some of it was joy, and some of it was was peace, and some of it was like financial security, and some of it was that sense of you know what God's got you and you're good. And as you were doing this, um, so the question I asked to God, well, that, that's, a nice, like, that's a nice happy picture, but usually God wants to give us something that's, uh, that's tangible for us to do. And, and you can pretend your pastor isn't here because, you know, nobody likes getting these compliments, but this is what God said about your pastor. So they said that these guys have done the work exquisitely. I was going, oh, that's pretty good. I like that. That isn't language I would normally use. But God said they have been exquisite in how they've done bringing healing. And I love the whole messy church thing. That, that's just absolutely fantastic. Now in this next season, for you, as this explosion comes into your life, there is a way that um, the, some of the things that they've been doing and they've held in their hands, they are passing to you. And you are going to get to receive some of those things and do some of those things. Uh, what they have done is now become some of what you are going to do. Because God, if he's going to bring that explosion to all of you, it actually isn't going to be about one or two people doing something. It's going to be you, the whole church, doing this. And as you do that, uh, and, and I, wish, I wish I had a graphic that could sort of just, and then there's this, I like you to, you know, think of that thing, that fireworks that happens, and it just explodes into this, and God just deposits that. So in your next season, there are things that, that you can begin to grab a hold of and say, hey, you know what, Dallas and Lee have been amazing. Now, my challenge to you would be this, what are you going to step up into? And, and sometimes it isn't all those busy people who are already doing stuff in church. Is it okay for me to say this? Some of you, uh, you know what, this is your time. God's got it for you, and he's going to make it happen. Is that okay? Yeah. You guys good with that? Yeah, I love the explosion thing. All right. Uh, I'm going to take a little bit of time to talk to you about something that God has been absolutely uh, pouring into our hearts and saying, hey, this is what I want you to grab a hold of. And, and uh, I've been in church a long time 
And as I've been in church a long time, I've seen something happen that's been very interesting, is that we talk about growing spiritually and, and making sure that we're growing and moving forward, and it gets to feel a little bit like a weight. And, and uh, we hear these people come up, and they have these stories, says, yeah, you know, I was praying for like three hours. I'm thinking, three hours? Like three minutes, and I'm like, my mind is everywhere, Right? Or you say, you know, I was meditating and I was studying God's word and I was fasting for 25 hours one day. I'm thinking, wait a minute, there's only like 24 hours in a day. You couldn't possibly be fasting for 25 hours. And you hear these stories and they just seem completely inaccessible because you live your life, you're doing your stuff, you're taking your kids to sports, you're studying in school, and, in it, and all of this seems a little bit far away, and then you say, well, you know what we want to do, and I've said this, and I'll continue to say this, but I want to become more like Jesus. Is that good? Like, we should do this, right? Okay, the, Jesus is up there, and on a good day, I am... Some of you, I know you, you know, like even lower, Right? Way down there, right? And I wasn't talking to my family specifically, but hey. But there, and you look at that gap and you think, this is too much. Like, how am I actually going to do this? So here's my word of encouragement to you, and, and I, I'm going to have some pictures coming along with this, that, that there is something that God wants you to do. And I think in everything that you do in your spiritual growth, in your spiritual life, it's reading the Bible, praying, meditating, worshiping, anything that you do, serving, loving, all that stuff, here's, what you, here's the big thing that you can do in the middle of all of this that's going to be super helpful. You were designed to, God made you to enjoy him. Like, that's it. Like, guys, what if instead of going, oh, I feel so guilty that I haven't done this, I need to do my more devotions, and we probably do need to do that, right? But what if in the middle of all of that, what God was really saying was, I just want to enjoy you. And now, if I could take just a moment and, and think about this. If you were really honest, how much do you think God enjoys you? And I, and I know you're in church, and the answer should be like lots and Jesus, because you're in church, right? <laughs> but sometimes when we, when we look in our hearts, in our mind, and we say, when I think of how much God enjoys me, I probably think of the things that I'm sinning, that I'm not doing well, the things that are not great in my life. And I hope by the end of this message, you begin to see and understand that is not what God is thinking about when he thinks about you. And I think there's a ways for us to grab a hold of this and to say, okay, I'm going to begin to live my life with God in a way that I just assume that he is absolutely enjoying me. And I think it's, isn't that a big leap for all of us? I think it's huge. And, and I, I was thinking about this and praying about this because I felt like God put it on my heart. And I was walking down uh, with my, in our church, and we have, uh, we have a group of guys who are like all about 75, 80, and they meet in church uh, on Wednesdays, and they just pray together, and they laugh, and they talk, and they do their, their life group thing. 
That's what they do. And this one guy comes out to me and he gives me a big hug. He and I are both huggers. And he said, okay, Aubrey, uh, you know, love you. That's great. You know, we did a little thing. He walked away. And then he said, hey, Aubrey, God told me something. I thought, oh, okay, good. He said, God loves working with you. And you know what, when, when somebody just says something regularly, you go, oh, that's nice, and everything like that, or when somebody says something and it really kind of connects in, it went like right into me, and I went, oh, God likes working with me? And I, and I, I spent the rest of the day going, huh, God likes working with me. I kind of like working with him. Not kind of, you know, but I was like, huh, God likes working with me. And my whole day, I had, the, I had the terrible, I had a terrible day. You people aren't like this, but there's some people in my church. Mm, not fantastic, right? People can be terrible, amen? No, no, you shouldn't say amen to that. But they are, like some of them, they're just working it out, right? And, and as I was doing all this stuff, and I was listening to the whining and the sniveling and the complaining and, and everything, I was like, huh. God likes working with me. And everything kind of changed in my day. I think everything, and I know this sounds big, right? Everything sounds really big. But I think everything can begin to change in our life when we realize that God actually enjoys you. He made you. He created you. He put you together. At the beginning, he said, you know, I'm going to create people because I'm so exhausted, I can't possibly name all the animals. Right? No. He said, I want to walk with Adam and Eve and find those amazing... Fall is my favorite time, right? You see, you have that smell in the air. You're walking, and you go down, and you walk with God. That's how he created them to be. And then Jesus came, the perfect uh, picture of who God is, and he said, you know what? You're not servants who don't know what's going on. I am going to call you friends. What do you do with your friends? You enjoy them. And if you don't enjoy them, then you don't spend time with them. Your in-laws, totally different story. <laughs> As you, <laughs> some of you are going, oh, really, you can say that? Yes, you can. You can say that in church, especially if you're like visiting and then you're gonna leave. Um, I have done, 200, about, I officiated about 200 weddings in my, we had a young church a while, and I, I was doing wedding after wedding after wedding, and there's only been two weddings that I have chosen not to do, and they both have had the same thing, and I'll tell you a really, really quick story, and then we're going to jump into the scripture, and we'll pa- unpack some stuff. Uh, the, in this first wedding that I didn't, that I just said, hey guys, I can't marry you, uh, they were going to fly, Eileen and I, to uh, Turks and Caicos, destination wedding with each of their three friends and they were going to do stuff and they were talking about this and they were so excited but as I learned about what they were talking about the guys were excited about like cliff diving and skiing the water skiing and all the stuff they were going to do and the girls were excited about the fact they were going to be on the beach and there was this thing that they were doing and it all felt a little weird right and when you're getting married I thought well, what about the things you're going to do together? And they said, oh, yeah, yeah, we're going to have that wedding thing and everything. And they weren't the least bit excited about the wedding. 
at all. They weren't excited about, you know, walking in the sunsets. They weren't excited about, about the time, you know, that they would see each other walking down the aisle. They weren't excited about the sex. I'm thinking, what is wrong with you people? <laughs> and after a while, it dawned on me. And I said, what are you going to do together? And he said, well, you know, we kind of fight a lot. So this is seriously what they said. We fight a lot, so we're just thinking more about the things we're going to do with our friends. <laughs> I thought, oh, this thing is doomed. So I said, <laughs> and so, you know, thinking that would not be a good thing without saying something. I said, okay, um, you guys need to be able to also enjoy each other, eh? And they said, and it, like that. It was just dead silent. And you could see it sort of coming onto his face first, which was a bit unusual for a guy to get it first. Weird, eh, Dallas? Totally. Like, what? <laughs> Usually the women are like miles ahead of us. And, 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 the guy, and he just came over his face and he realized, if I am going to love, that means that I would enjoy. And they said, there was no kind of connection. Now, in your relationship with God, if you're going to worship him, do you think you're going to enjoy him? Of course you are. And as we look into Scripture, we see and understand that there is something that is so important to God that he wants us to enjoy him. Uh, I'm going to jump right to our, our passage, guys. Philippians chapter 3, verses 12 to 14. And uh, wow, that is a screen. Can I, can I just do this? Since we're friends. You know that, that, that meme that I, that I have that I skipped over that has that really big fat guy on it? Just put that up there. This this was this because I just wanted to see this on the screen. Oh, two others late there. It says, it says, there's no this this is my point with this. I skipped, I got lots, I just skipped over this part. Uh, the, the short there's no shortcuts to like growing in God together. And as you see here, in six weeks of drinking that special diet tea, Robert lost five hundred dollars. <laughs> You can take, please take that down now. I just thought that screen was amazing. Had to do that. All right. So Philippians chapter 3. Uh, we're talking about how we grow in God. And in fact, the way we grow in God is that we enjoy. Can you say enjoy? enjoy. Yeah, that we enjoy him and he enjoys us. And, and this is Paul talking in verse 12. And he says, not that I've already obtained this, or I am already perfect. Now, I want you, I'm going to stop in between here and just talk about this. I want you to get that. The guy who wrote most of the New Testament kind of says, you know what, I'm sort of here with the rest of you. Isn't that kind of amazing? Like Paul. Paul, the guy. The guy who wrote all that stuff, the, the scripture that you've memorized, all that stuff. He says, you know what, I haven't actually got this all either. You can relax. It's okay if your life is a little messy. I love that part of the church. Paul says, I haven't obtained this or I'm not already perfect. And at Rock Church, you would read that I can be messy. But I press on, say press. Press, press on to make it my own. In other words, it's not something else, somebody else's thing. It, it's not the pastors, their deal that they're doing. The whole thing that I want to do is I want to get this for myself. 
uh, brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own. It's like he's, I don't know if you've ever seen this before. It's like he's saying this again. I'm not that great. My life, Paul, are you understanding this? Paul, that guy. He said, kind of not great. I'm not doing this. It isn't like I have this all together, but I haven't really made it my own yet. But this one thing I do, forgetting what is behind, so it isn't about back there, and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal of the upward call of God in Jesus Christ. He says, you know what? I haven't made this, I haven't kind of got this whole thing all perfect and made this done, and we kind of can skip over this, and he says, the reason I do all this in verse 12 is because Jesus Christ has made me his own. Isn't that really personal language? God said, Paul says, the reason why that I'm kind of pressing on, even though my life is not always great, because Jesus made me mine. And it's like he wraps his arms around you, and he says, I'm, I'm yours, and he's mine, and we can enjoy each other as we walk across his journey. So it is not a backward call. It's not looking at, you know, that I have to try to somehow fix my mistakes and looking back. C.S. Lewis says, you can't go back and change the beginning, but you can start where you are and change the ending. So it's not about looking back. It's actually not about looking inward, that I have to somehow muster up this whole thing and say that I am amazing, I can make it happen, I got this! You're going to be so glad you came to church because I'm going to tell you this. You know what? You don't got this! Right? (laughs) It's like somehow internally I'm going to have to make this happen? You've lived long enough to know, "Eh, it's all a bit shaky, right? You can fake it for a little bit, and then you realize, oh, man, do I need help. And Paul is saying, you know what, it is not a backwards call. It's not that I have to somehow try to fix everything in my past or, or like, like, dump the sh- like do a dump on the shame. It's not an inward call that I have to figure, I have, I have to make something up. It's not a downward call either. And the downward call would be where you sort of lower your head And you say, oh, you know what, I'm no good, and I got nothing going on, and look at all the things in my life that have happened. It's not that kind of call. What God does in our life, and I'm going to talk to you about how he does this, he paints a picture for us where we begin to lift up our eyes to him. And all of a sudden, when we lift up our eyes to him, what we begin to see is he has possibilities for us that we would never imagine. It's an upward call. It's not back, it's not down, it's not in, it's up. You know what happens when you lift up your eyes? You can see things that you never saw in your whole life. Paul says, this is your call, Rock Church. This is your call that I have for you, and I want you to begin to lift up your eyes so you can see some things, and here's what you're going to see. You're going to see things that God has for you. You're going to see who you are, your identity, in, and that, that you really have. Some of you have had, and, and uh, my wife would, would talk about in her testimony, the, like this list of horrible things that has happened to her in her life. And, and she could make her identity about all those things. I am a victim. And I'm going to say this carefully, but I want you to hear this because this is so important. In our society right now, everybody's a victim. 
right? And, and what that does, and here's, here's the part that I want you to get. There are people who have been genuinely hurt who are, and I think it's a huge disservice if everybody's a victim. Is that right? Yeah. And, and you can build your whole identity on that, and that's not what you want. You can build your calling to say, you know what, I don't actually, I'm not sure what I have to do. I'm not sure what God can really use me for. And as you begin to open up your eyes, and as you begin to have that upward call, you're not looking back, you're not looking down, you're not looking in, because those things are going to be unhelpful to you. What you are, you begin to look up and you say, okay, God, what is it that you have for me in this season, in this life? I'm at Rock Church. You've called me to be a part of it. This thing is exploding. You're doing something here, God. What part do you want me to be a part of? And it has nothing to do with back or down or in. It has to do with God saying, this is my thought for you. Let's go. Let's do this together. So how does that work? Uh, we're going to take a, just a few minutes to talk about that. What does that seem like? Uh, you need to do this by doing it three ways and I'm going to give you those three ways. You need to do this by enjoying God in what the Holy Spirit is saying, that you begin to see something that you haven't begin, seen before. You stay on the right side of the cross, and you plan to get caught. So three ways that you begin to look up on your life, and we're going to take some time to do this. How do you begin to see things that in your life you have never seen before? There's... Uh, that, that parking picture, guys, I want you to show, show that one. There's a sign there. Can we do this? There we go. I took a picture of this, and I'm thinking, huh, I wonder what went through their mind when they put that sign up. <laughs> yeah. and, and it seems sort of obvious that you, that you would begin to say, okay, yeah, I, I have to do that. And you begin to see some things that you are and who you are. And I'm going to give you a couple examples from Scripture that sort of uh, really focus us. The first one is this. Moses had been, uh, been wandering around, in, not in the wilderness. This was pre-time before that. He had been looking after the sheep. He'd already been in Pharaoh's palace as an adopted son, got kicked out. And then God comes and he says to Moses, and, and I want you to put yourself in here, Okay. He says, I want you to go and do this thing, whatever it is. And Moses has all of these excuses, and then God says to him something that I think is absolutely fascinating. He says, Moses, in, in Exodus 7-1, he says, see, I have made you as a god to Pharaoh. Now, Moses is going to be a god to Pharaoh. Now, I, no matter what he pumped himself up to, he had been in that court before. Pharaoh was a god. He, there, was, there was pomp and ceremony, and there was gold and everything, and you didn't even look at the king. And he's going to come in stinking like sheep. And some of you feel like that. Right? Some of you feel like, ah, I don't know, what do I have? I'm not sure. And so, so God says, okay, here, Moses, here's what I want you to get. They are going to see you, Pharaoh is going to see you like a god. There's no way he could have pumped that up himself. You know what he didn't say? You are going to feel like a god. Oh, because sometimes we're waiting around to feel something. 
That's not what God said, is it? He says, you are, and by the time all the plagues, like the blood and the frogs and all this stuff happened, what, how did they see Moses? It was like, oh my goodness, this guy is like out of, the, out of his, this is craziness. Get him out of here. Give him all the stuff. We just want him to leave. And he was like a god in Pharaoh's eyes. And he says, see, see. Begin to see, this is what I am going to do for you. This isn't how you're going to feel, but this is what I'm going to do for you. In uh, Jeremiah's life, oh, you know what, I should do this first. I I think here's the important part as you're doing that. You're coming in to your life, and, and I think if you've ever seen movies with Moses, you know, especially some of those old movies, you know, Charlton Heston. And he, he says this thing, and he goes, I'm going to do a terrible Charlton Heston, just so you know. He says, let my people go. Right? And, you, and when he says it, it's like, whoo. You sort of like, you know. Whew. And sometimes in our life, we feel more like Kermit the Frog, right? It's like, let my people go. <laughs> that was good. That was that not bad? Yeah. Eh, sort of. Yeah. <laughs> In your life, what are, when you begin to see, when you begin to lift up your eyes, when you're not looking back, when you're not looking down, when you're not looking in, God is going to begin to give you a voice. And some of your voices are going to be in the place of your work, in the place of your school, where you're going to begin to just say things and do things in a way because God said, I am going, see, see, I am going to do this for you. And I I think one of the great travesties of our life as Christians is we somehow think that we have to make it happen. And, And there's this partnership between the Holy Spirit and you, and the Holy Spirit wants to elevate your thinking, and he wants to educate you. You know what the enemy wants to do? He wants to get you to think down of yourself, and he wants to destroy who you really are. God says, you are my children. I have chosen you. You are special to me. I love you. I have forgiven you. I have put you in a place. And and all of those things are things that are meant to be like that, like me wandering around going, huh, God wants to be with me. He enjoys me. And God wants to put you in that place where you begin to see who you really are. Because most of the time, I think, if we're honest, we're looking back, we're looking down, and we're looking in. And those places will never help you see what God has called you to do, who you really are what your future really is. That's what God has for you. Jeremiah, when God was talking to him, he said, you know, see, Jeremiah, I will put my words in your mouth, and you and you are going to be his partner. We are in Christ. That means that all of our circumstances are also in Christ. We, in our minds, somehow we separate this out. We think, you know what, well, yeah, I'm in Christ, I'm going to go to heaven, and God has a plan for me, we're working it out, but then i got to go slug through all this stuff and all these... No, all of your circumstances are also in Christ. Is that true? 
Ooh, sort of, kind of. Let's try that again. If you are in Christ, all your circumstances are in Christ, right? right? Yeah. And I think it's a big leap for us to begin to believe it. And then, if that is true, you can begin to enjoy God. Because I'm going to look at this situation and I'm going to say, okay, God, if you're my business partner, that means you got something you do. I'm going to sit back and watch you do whatever it is you want to do. And, and this, is the, this was like kind of ridiculous. He was, he was praying one day and God said, and, and he isn't one of, the, one of these people who would be like, he would be, because he's not here, I can say this. You know, we, we said we were here. He's sort of like down there, <laughs> to be really honest. He's the only guy that comes into my office and like F-bombs the whole way through. <laughs> I counted it was 76 one time. Right? And it's just sort of the world that he lives in. The poor secretaries, they were turning on their music outside and everything. Just, they couldn't hear this. And he said, you know what? I was praying one time and God said, Ready? Get a debit machine. He was running his whole business off of cash, and it was sucking under. And he got a debit machine, and the whole thing just exploded. And he said, Pastor, you would not believe it. I'm making like three, five, seven, just like killing it and making it happen. He said, I, I'm, I'm thinking, God is my business partner. All of your circumstances are in Christ. He has all of those things. And so you can live your life with the joy that he has. Um, one of the most amazing uh, stories that's kind of come out recently. How many of you have heard Sound of Freedom? Seen that, seen that movie? Some of you. Nice light fair guys, hey? Something you want to take a date to and just sort of chill <laughs> It's, like, it's this movie on child trafficking, and you're going to see a picture uh, coming up of, of Jim Caviezel and Tom Ballard, and they're the guys that did this movie. Caviezel's the guy that did Jesus, right? Passion of the Christ, you remember that? And uh, he, he tells this story of what, how, how he, this thing came to him, and I thought this was absolutely amazing. You can decide if his wife is you know, an interesting spouse, a good spouse, or some is, you know, the other part of this. But this is what he, what he did. He was in this movie. He was working for Homeland Security. He had done the whole thing where he had gone and he had these children who needed to be rescued because they were being trafficked, and it was absolutely horrible. And then they said at Homeland Security, you need to leave and leave those kids in Central America. It's not your job anymore. And he was in this absolute conundrum. Okay, all of your circumstances are What? In Christ. So he called up his wife, and those of you who are married, your wife's voice sounds an awful lot like Jesus, right? You guys laughed? No! This was the wrong answer. I'm going to try this again. No, I'm not going <laughs> to. And he called up his wife because he, they wanted to discuss this, and he said, you know, she said, well, what do you see? Like, what does it look like? And she says, you know what, when I, he said, when I look at going down and like he would have had to quit his job at Homeland and go down and rescue these kids. It's like dark and scary and Lord of the Rings with that big spider coming down. And it's just horrible. And I look at this other side and I see like joy and freedom and a pension and living my life out and doing stuff. I've done a lot of good, right? And this is what his wife said. 
And I thought this was absolutely brilliant. And she, he's, basically, this is a download from heaven, is the way he said it. It's okay, I want you to, to just think about you are standing before Jesus, and he is interviewing you as you go into heaven. This is not fantastic theology, it's just an example, right? So he's interviewing you before you go to heaven, and he has one question in your interview, and the question is this. What did you do with the children? I told you, you can decide whether this is a good wife or not. And he said, wow, this is a bad interview. I'm not going to do well. And she said, okay, close your eyes. Because I think God wants, to, wants you to see something that you're not seeing. And basically, he closed his eyes, and he said the whole scene flipped. And when he thought about going down the road of his pension and safety and all the things that had been so important to him, that seemed sort of dark and unsure and unhelpful. And when he began to look at, at quitting his job and going and rescuing these children, all of a sudden there was light and life. And everything wasn't all mapped out. It wasn't perfect because God never does that for you. But he said, all of a sudden, the scene switched, and I began to see what God had for my life and that he had more than just my pension and the good things that I have happening, that he had a purpose for me. And he said, it was life-changing. You can begin to see what God has for you. Dallas, you have no clock in this church. You know, that's very scary, eh? That means that I can just <laughs> keep going. I told Dory to jump up and down and go like this. Perfect. So, 12.30? He <laughs> got very nervous when I said that. That was very funny. The echo gets louder. The echo gets louder? I'm just still waiting for Dory to jump up and down. That's going to be super fun. Uh, the second thing that I, I want to talk to you about, you can begin to see God when you do this, but the second thing, and, and I'm just going to take less time for, for these, is that you, can, you need to stay on the right side of the cross. God wants to elevate your thinking in a way that you begin to see this, and this has been sort of life-changing for Eileen and I, um, that, that on this side of the cross is before, if we understand what Jesus did on the cross, he died for us, all your sins are forgiven, past, present, and future. Is that right? All your sins are forgiven. So he took care of everything on the cross. And then, you, then when you're baptized, you have this, this thing where it says that you go down and your sins are taken down and it's the kind of the picture of Jesus dying and raising up again and you are in Christ. It's like you go down and you die and you come back up again and all your sins and stuff are left down there. We had, we had our explosion, guys, at Church of the Rock uh, over this last little while, we had, and I know this seems even weird, I, don't, I think this is right, we had almost a quarter of our church get baptized. It was like, are you kidding me? We taught on baptism and people just kept coming and coming and, and they hadn't got the right clothes and we dunked them anyways and I was doing lots of dunking, we were making this happen. It was amazing, amazing, amazing because they understood that they were being buried with Christ. Something was happening. I had this guy come up to me and he goes, Okay, something I need to tell you. I need to need leave a lot down there, so hold me down just a little longer. <laughs> I said, okay. So I just held him there till the bubble stopped. 
And then I pulled it back up again. <laughs> so, so you get this, right? On this side is, is your old life and all that stuff. On this side, your sins are forgiven. And, and I, I think you get that. And we would say, yeah, yeah, we understand this. We're a good church. We've been taught that. And Paul says that I have been crucified with Christ and is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And so my question to you is this. What part of you died? He says, I no longer live. So is it your personality, your sense of humor? What, what died? Your old nature, right? Is this good, good theology so far? We're tracking. That part of you that controls that you, you have to sin. In your life, you always have a way out now. There's a dead part to you, and God said that part died. Now, if you're going to stay on the right side of the cross, and I think for some of you this is going to be absolutely life-changing, is when we've been in church a while, we begin to think about the fact that, that this doesn't look really good, and we sin, and we have bad stuff, and so we, we want to change our behavior and we, don't work, we are not thinking about our identity, about who we really are. And, and it's, so, it's like we're working on the dead man to make it look better instead of working on the new man who God made you to be, your identity, and that's where God is working. God is not working on something that's already dead, right? He buried it. It's gone. It's finished with. But, but this is called religion over here. And it's like, I have to do stuff to make myself look better, and I have to feel horrible about everything that I've done wrong in my life, and that's not conviction, that's just shame, right, over here. And, and we, we, we tend to fall back on the other side of the cross. And, and I think the perfect story for that, that whole identity thing, is happening in the older brother and the prodigal son. Older brothers are the worst, Amen. <laughs> And the older brother, he sees his younger brother coming, and his younger brother has squandered everything. He's lived a horrible life. A, a third of everything that he was going, the older brother was going to inherit is now gone. It's gone. And so the older brother sees, sees him coming, and what the older brother wants more than anything else for his dad to call him out on his bad behavior. Right? He wants to say, Look what you did. You're a terrible person. You spent your whole life doing this. You should be ashamed of yourself. Does part of that feel kind of true? Right? Sort of does. Except you're on this side of the cross. And what did the father do, guys? The father gave him a robe, which he says, you're my son. He gave him a ring, which said, you have all the authority in this place. And uh, that means everything is now divided again. All that stuff in the past, he put on sandals because servants wore, didn't wear sandals, only the Sons and daughters wore sandals. And if I could help you understand one thing, this would be so important. 
God is not here calling you out on your behavior. He is calling you up to your identity. You are children of God. You are his sons and his daughters and he's forgiven you. And every time you get in a place where you know you're stuck and you do something wrong, it's God's opportunity to call you up to who you really are. Every time you have a a temptation that comes, it's an opportunity for victory in your life. See, you know what happens though? The enemy would love to hang us over on this side of the cross. You. And sometimes, you know what? I do that to me. I look at all my stuff and I go, oh. And then I need to move over to this side of the cross and say, God, I absolutely don't understand this. And for sure, I don't deserve this, right? None of us deserve this. But God comes and He gives us a robe and He gives us sandals and He gives us a ring. And he says, you are my daughter, and I see you, and you're my son, and I love you. And so if I could encourage you, when you are struggling in your life, it's actually, Paul says, you know what, this this part's dead. You don't need to work, what's that old saying, lipstick on a pig? Apparently you're the pig in that thing, but sorry about that. You move over here. And you begin to say, you know what, God, thank you. I absolutely don't get this, but I receive it in Jesus' name. The last thing I want to encourage you in is this, is that God, you know, not only do you have to get to stay on the right side of the cross, is you can enjoy life by planning to get caught. And and all these things, I hope you've sensed a, a common theme to say, everything that I do is something that I can really enjoy God in the process of this journey. You, you can't enjoy God over here, can you? God just seems vindictive and horrible and awful, but here you can. You want to you learn to plan to get caught. And, and I kind of got that thought as those of you who have kids or you have grandkids, and especially when they're really, really young, if you play hide-and-seek with them, when they get older, they actually don't want to get caught. But when they're younger, what do they do? They put a little blanket over their head, and you can see the blanket going, <laughs> right? And they're just waiting for you to pull the blanket off and go, ha, and make it happen. And they are just loving this. This is the best thing that they can do in your life. And, and if there's an encouragement as you go through life, um, there's an expectation that God wants to build in you that he says, I am always going about doing something in your life, even when you don't feel it and even when you don't understand it. In every good thing, you can enjoy God's generosity. If you're experiencing something good right now, you can say, wow, thank you, God. In, in every hardship, you can enjoy God's formation. And, and discipline is actually something that makes you better. In every prayer, we can be so thankful that God welcomes us. Every time you begin to say, dear God, he's there. Every time. In every pain, you can appreciate God's presence. In every temptation, you can know that God is right with you. In every groan that you have, you can know that the Spirit is going to bring you hope that is not of this world, because your circumstances are sometimes terrible, people are sometimes 
not fantastic, and God says, I am there. You can plan to get caught with God, and you can enjoy that process of it. I had a a really unique experience this, this past year. We went down to Missouri, to Branson, which is sort of like a Christian Las Vegas I had no idea. It's like the Bible Belt, in the middle of the Bible Belt, and they have like a hundred country shows, and they're all like PG and super clean and everything. And we thought, oh, we are in the middle of the Bible Belt. Absolutely fascinating. So my wife and I drove, and as we were driving down, we would stop at antique shops, and we would see these different antique shops, and she would love to go in and and check them out. And and I'm like, okay with it, but it's kind of her thing. So I was putting in time over on the side, and uh, all of a sudden I hear this voice, and, and not a quiet voice, and it was probably about 20 aisles by 20 aisles, and it was like, is there a pastor in here? And I thought, no, no, there's no pastor in here. It was like, Aubrey, Aubrey, and I know what my wife's voice, and my wife is an introvert, she, does, she would never do that because that would draw attention to her, right? You know this, how this works. And, and it just kept going on, and, and after a while I thought, huh, that's interesting. And then I see my wife coming around the corner, and I looked into her eyes, and I could just see it. I said, you did this to me, didn't you? She goes, yes. <laughs> see, when you're really good with each other, you can say stuff like that. And she said, there's this lady who I just happened to meet because God happened to put them together. And uh, said he said, she would like you to prophesy over her. And I thought, hmm, can I prophesy on holidays? I don't know, does that work? Okay. And, and, and so I come up to her, and she says, oh, that's great. And literally she's been yelling for five minutes. And, and this crowd has gathered around her, right? <laughs> and so I'm going, oh, well, there you go. And so we're, we're talking, and she tells me this, the most heartbreaking story that I have heard in a long, long time. And it didn't take long. And she said that her parents both died when she was six, and by eight, uh, she was giving herself to men for money. Eight. Yep. And she said, I spent my whole life on the street and had horrible, horrible things happen to me all along, but I got out of it, and now I work uh, helping people, kids who are, and, and adults who are trafficked. And I said, wow, that's, that's amazing what you've done and how God's rescued you. He says, yeah, but that's not what I want you to prophesy over. What I want you to prophesy over is this, is there's this guy who I kind of was dating, and then I found out he was cheating on me, and he's in jail now, and he wants me to send him money. I said, well, her name was Eve. I said, well, Eve, I don't actually need to prophesy anything about that. He's a bum, and he's using you. <laughs> This is the answer to this question. I said it nicer. I said, he's just using you, and you're better than that. And she looked up at me in, like, amazement, and she said, what? And, and just at that moment, I felt like the Lord said, I want you to close your eyes. And so, that, like, by now, there's a huge crowd gathered around us, right? And she said, I want you to close your eyes, and Eve, I, w- I want you to do this. And it's because of like one of these Holy Spirit moments that never happened to me in my life before. And she says, I want you, Eve, to see yourself when you were six years old before all of this stuff happened because I think Jesus wants to show you something. And like literally in half a second, she was there 
And she said, oh, I had forgotten about that. And she had this picture of who she really was before God. That she was this incredibly valuable daughter who had this crown and who was, who was in white, right? And Jesus said, this is who you really are. And it didn't, at that point, she didn't need anybody to tell her. She understood who she really was. And God got her. She was planning to get caught. Would you close your eyes? I, I believe that today God wants to speak a, a word into your heart, confirm something that I've said, give you a picture, whatever it is. And we're going to take like just a few seconds to just be quiet before the Lord. Because God wants to enjoy you, and he wants you to enjoy him. And he doesn't want this journey to be just hard. He wants to show you who you really are. And whether it happens in the next few seconds or whether it happens this week as you're in your quiet time, I believe once God wants you to get something today. That you're his. David said, you make known to me the path of life in your presence. There's fullness of joy. And at your right hand, there are pleasures forevermore. I thank you, Father, that as we grow and as we learn and as we move through our life, that we can enjoy you because you enjoy us. And if you agree, say amen. 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 Give Pastor Aubrey a round of applause.